So we are in the book of 1 Corinthians, and we are in chapter 12 today. Um, last week we, we got through most of 11. I didn't cover quite everything. I think a lot of that is self-explanatory, and so I'm going to let you read chapter 11, but it's basically, I'll give you the gist of it. People are coming to church, and they're calling the Lord's Supper this huge feast, and uh, they're getting wasted and then they're, they're not sharing their food with the poor that are there, and they're calling this the Lord's Supper, and Paul, is, Paul essentially says, what? <laughs> what is going on? And so there's this craziness that's going on, and so Paul redefines what the Lord's Supper is, and you can read that in the rest of uh, chapter 11. We covered that just briefly um, last week, but we're in chapter 12 this week, and chapter 12 is essentially... Uh, all about uh, spiritual gifts and, and, and basically the misuse of those spiritual gifts, a misunderstanding of where they are. And so I want to begin reading here, and then we'll, we'll talk more about that. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led... Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of, of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To the other, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, uh, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, I want to stop right there, just kind of comment on this uh, for a few minutes. Now, you, I don't know what background you came from, but you may have come from uh, like maybe a, a, a very conservative background where you never talk about the, the spiritual gifts, which was sort of my background, not, not entirely, but that's sort of my background, or you've, you've come from a background where uh, that is... Uh, that is something that was accentuated big time, and so there was this, maybe this overuse of spiritual gifts. Or perhaps you're, you're here and you're like, I don't know anything about it, uh, but I've seen it on TV, and there's people shaking, they're falling on the ground, and they're like, and these people are really into the spirit. Like, it's, 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 it's very apparent. Um, call them holy rollers sometimes, you know, things like that, you know. But um, we, what you've seen is that sometimes there's this craziness that happens in churches, and that's accentuated in, in uh, you know, on, on TV and things of that nature and on uh, parodies that, that occasionally happen and so forth. But then there's this under accentuation of the Spirit as well. And so there's these people in this church in Corinth, and what they're saying is, is they're saying, you know, what about spiritual gifts? And they're asking Paul a question, and Paul is essentially answering them, and he's saying some things. And first of all, what he says is he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. 
So basically what's happening is that they're kind of uninformed, just like everything else that's happened in the book of 1 Corinthians, that these people are doing it wrong. Like there's some problems in their midst, and they're not really addressing those problems. They don't know how to address them. And so Paul is going to come in, and he's going to help them understand what's happening. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, You guys keep bringing in everything from the outside world. Everything from the outside world. Just like uh, uh, in chapter 11, they're bringing it, they basically turn the Lord's Supper into a frat party. And it's just absolute craziness. It's, it's an occasion to get wasted and to hang out and to, to not share their food with other people. And so, what he's, what he's saying to them is he's saying, you keep bringing in these things from uh, the culture around you, and what's happening is this, is that you're turning in this into a mockery, and so now he's communicating again, you're bringing in these pagan rituals, and what he, what he is saying right here is he's saying that there is experience outside of the scriptures. There is experience, like spiritual experience that people have even outside of the Bible outside of Christianity. And what he's saying is he's saying, but that was the worship of mute idols. You were going after these idols, and what was happening is you were led astray however you were led. And what he's saying is he's saying you were carried away. You, things got crazy. Things got nuts. And what's happening is, is that they're bringing this idea of spirituality into the church, and now everything is full of disorder. There's some people who are all about the spiritual gifts, and there's some people who are saying, like, I don't want any part of this. And so basically, in that time, there's one church. In our city, we have multiple uh, types of churches. And I would say I, I'm, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I think that that's the best thing, as this church accentuates uh, simply the spirit, and this church accentuates something else, and this church accentuates uh, something else. However, we do all come together and make the body of Christ. But what's happening in this one church is that there are enclaves of people. There's people who are really into char- uh, charis- the charismatic gifts. There's these people who are really into that, and then there's people who uh, are not really into it. And then there's people who are just kind of just crazy. They're just bringing this stuff into the local church, and it's just becoming unhinged. And so Paul is bringing in correction, and, and he says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. <clears throat> and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't know why Paul just said this, this thing, Jesus is accursed. But he's basically saying, like, you can't say that Jesus is accursed or curse Jesus or whatever uh, when you're a Christian. Like, that's not the reality. But what he does say is this, is he says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So what's, what's he doing? He's beginning to give us a theology of what it looks like to live by the Spirit. He's beginning to give us an understanding of how the Spirit comes to fruition in our life. So when you became uh, a Christian or you began uh, to walk with Jesus, one of the things that we don't necessarily realize is this, is that God is the one who moves in us. God is the one who causes us 
to become people who want to have relationship with God. God is the one who, who works in us. Many people get so caught up in their Christian life and they say, you know, I, 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 I'm not exactly sure. I want to be good, but I can't seem to get over this hump. I can't seem to get past these things. And so I just, I just have to keep trying and I have to keep trying and I have to keep trying. But what he's saying right here is he's saying the irreducible minimum of somebody who is a Christian is somebody who says Jesus is Lord. And that only happens, the reality of that, that Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is in control. I follow him. I worship him. Jesus is Lord of my life. That only happens through the power of the Spirit. And it's not just saying words. It's the posture of a heart that says that I want what Jesus wants, that I want what he has for me. It's a heart that is fully submitted to God in these things. I remember um, just over the last couple of years, I've been planting uh, this church along with so many other people here um, at Outward Church, just so many great leaders, but I think it was maybe two years ago that I came to this point where I was like, you know, I'm not exactly sure what it is uh, that, I, that I want to do, but I feel like I want to do it differently. And I, I feel like I, 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 need, I, I need something else. And so I, I started thinking about like, God, am I supposed to be uh, leading this church plant still? Is that, is that what you want in my life? And have you called me to this? And have you have you, have, you, have you called me into this? And I just felt myself kind of, in some ways, like running out of gas. Like I just, I just felt like I was just powerless. And I kept, I kept trying and I kept trying and I kept trying to do what God wants me to do. And I, and I was working super hard to make things happen. And I kind of came to this place and I, and I just was like, I just was exhausted. I wouldn't have even said that at that point. I just would say, there's just something wrong. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what's, what's happening here. And so what I did was I, I began to get some, some coaching and some, some other things. People began speaking in my life. I talked with the elders, talked with my wife, talked extensively to a lot of people. But I kind of came to this point where I had to say, all right, is this what I'm supposed if, if this is what I'm supposed to be doing, I cannot keep doing it at the pace that I was doing it. Like, I have to come to a point where there is something else that is driving me. I have to come to a point where there's something else that's moving me. I have to come to a point where there's a power source that I have that's working in my life. And this is what I believe God does in our Christian lives is that when you come to a point where you say, like, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of trying to make things happen. I'm tired of trying to force these things in my life and to, to, to engage people. And then it even extends into the life of the church. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired because I can't seem to get people to want to do this with us or that with us. And, and it extends into the, the way that we do mission. And pretty soon we get tired and we get tired and we get tired. And Paul Paul is saying here, he's saying like the person who is, is going to walk with Jesus and to do this rightly and to live by the Spirit has to be someone who by the Spirit has 
resolve that their life would be for him. And they would say that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. That Jesus is Lord and like my job is not my Lord. Like Jesus is Lord and everything else will fall apart. And it doesn't matter because Jesus is Lord. He's the one that's driving me. He's the one that's working. He's the one that's initiating. And so from the very beginning of your Christian life, it's got to look like this. It's, it's got to be you saying, like, it's, it's, it's coming from the Holy Spirit. He's the one who has even enabled me to say that he is Lord over my life, that he is the one who's driving me. So Paul says here, like, no one can even come to me except by the power of the Holy Spirit And in their life saying, I'm giving my life uh, to Jesus. He is the Lord over my life. So is Jesus Lord over your life? Or is experience, spiritual experience, Lord of your life? And so Paul says here, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So what you need to see from that is this, is that the idea of God working in his church and working in his people comes not singularly from the Spirit of God, but it comes from God as a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Did you see what he said, said there? Uh, the same spirit, same Lord, same God who empowers uh, them all in everyone. And so what he's saying is he's saying like these gifts, these abilities, these skills, this service, these activities, the, the way that we please God, what we're doing is all coming about because the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is the one who's moving and acting in our church. Now, there's churches who accentuate one or the other, or one of three of those. They accentuate the Spirit, and they say it's all about the Spirit, and it's, they're really into the Spirit, and it's Spirit, 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 spiritual gifts. That's what they're talking about. And then there's people who are just talking about Jesus, and they only talk about Jesus. They never talk about the Spirit. And then there's churches that only talk about God the Father, and, and, and that's what they're into. But what Paul is saying here is like, it is the same Spirit who is bringing about the gifts. It is the same Lord who's bringing about these activities. It is the same all the way across. It is the same Lord who's doing this. Again, it is asserting that God is the one who empowers the gifts inside the context of the church. So if you have gifts of the Holy Spirit, then you have that because God has given that to you. And it's not a question of if you have gifts, but it's if you are, in fact, a believer in Jesus Christ, you do have a gift. But their problem is this, is that they have seen fit to now, once again, allow this to become a competition. They've allowed their gifts to become a a competition where now this person is valued over that person, and this person is is less valuable because of this, and this is what he deals with in in the next section. He says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. 
If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because uh, I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single mem member, there, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And uh, our unpresentable parts, we, we are, are, are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, and then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Now, that's a lot, but I wanted to get through it here to explain to you something, and that is that the major problem in this church was that they were taking their gifts and they were placing them above other people's gifts. Or they were saying this, I don't need the body of Christ, or I don't need to engage with what God is doing here. I don't need to be a part of, of what's happening. And what, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, not only is every single gift indispensable, like we are the body of Christ and individually members of it, but each one is indispensable and we've got to have those here. And so the recipe for mission, the recipe for us to be on mission as a church is to be people who are deeply involved in the life of the church. However, what seems to happen very frequently is this. And we say, you know what? I'm not really needed. I'm not, I'm not really needed there. God's given me my, my spiritual gift, and, I'm, and, I, and, I, and I practice that on my own, and I, I do my own thing. But the problem with that is that that is not in line with this idea of one, being one body. That's a part of the one God that's serving the body of Christ on a, on a regular basis. And so when I look at uh, the life of our church, when I look at our people, what I see is I see a lot of people who, uh, who have lots of potential because we know this. Because if you are a Christian, if you are somebody who knows and loves Jesus, that happened because the Spirit of God has worked in you and caused you to be able to say with your life that Jesus is Lord. And what happens as a result after that is not you self-trying. What's got to happen is you saying, how is God going to work through me in the life of the church, in the life of my community, in the life of my family, in order for me to be somebody who's enabling the people of God to be on mission? He's enabling the people of God to be on mission. See, as a church, 
the, the truth is that we are a nonprofit organization. That's what the organization is. But the church is a group of people. It's, it's a body of people that operate together. And if you treat the church as though, you know what, it doesn't matter if I'm there, or it doesn't matter if I'm a part of what's going on, or, or, or if you're somebody who says, you know what, I'm the most important person here. I'm the most important uh, person, or this gifting is the most important thing. This is tearing apart at the fabric of the life of the church. And so what, is it, what does it take for us to be people who are saying, okay, I am about what God wants in my community. I'm about what God wants in my church. Well, it takes this. It takes a full-on recognition that you did not come to God on your own, but God came to you. That God came to you, and God is the one who uh, suffers and dies through Jesus Christ on the cross, and he is the one that enables you to live this life uh, that he has called you to. And then secondly, it means this. It means that your gifting then has to be something that is, that is being worked into your life. But here's the problem, is that so many time, times people look at these gifts and they say, okay, it's got to be, you know, I really want this gift, or I really want that gift, or I think I have this, or I have that. But what we miss is verse 11 that says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, it's good to want God to work through you, but are you okay with God saying, like, this is, this is what my will is in your life. This is what my will is. This is your position. This is your role in the local church. This is your role to be a part of this. See, too many of us, don't necessarily see our, our functionality in the local church. Too many of us are, we're, we're either creating division because, and this is just natural, it's just natural human sin that somehow we want to create this hierarchy, but too many of us are either creating division or we're just not engaged. You're really, you're, you're so into spiritual gifting or you're just not engaged with what God is doing in our world. But the life of a Christian is one that says, like, I care about what God cares about. I care about what he is doing. I care about how, how he is working in our city. See, the, the greatest thing that we have going in our city is, is not so much that we have a great church service or that, or that we have a great band or, or, or that we have great whatever. It's, it's this. It is that God is glorified through us utilizing the gifts that he has given us in the power of the Holy Spirit and using them rightly not creating division through them, and being people who are saying, I do have a gift, and so therefore I've got to be a part of this. I've got to be a part of what God is doing. And maybe you're like me. You're like, you know, I, I just, I feel like I keep trying to get ahead in my work and I keep trying to do all these things, but you keep kind of coming to the end of yourself. You keep kind of coming to the end of whatever. And what God is really looking for from you is for you to put him first and to say, like, Jesus, um, I don't know if you've ever read there before. Hopefully you have. It's one of my favorite books. 
because let me just explain why I'm talking about Haggai right now, and then, and then we'll go. I think people read this passage, chapter 12, and all they focus on are the spiritual gifts aspect. And they don't focus on what it is that God wants them to do. In the book of Haggai, this is what it says in, in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So what, what's happening there is this, is that God's house, the temple, which was the center of spirituality, which was the representative, like the people are doing good. If the temple is being visited and people are, are, are they're teaching there, they're going through the sacrifices and things like that, that was the mark of people's spirituality at that time. And God comes and, and he speaks and he says, and, and, and he says, like these people say that the time has not yet come for them to rebuild my temple. Like the time has not yet come for these people to go in and work and build God's kingdom and, and to be people who are establishing what God is doing. At that time, it's a literal building. It is not a literal building today, by the way. It's not a place. It's a people. But these people are saying, like, the time has not yet come, and the time has not yet come, and the time has not yet come. And so while at our church, we don't have, as they say, a lot of holy rollers, what we have is we have a lot of folks that say, the time has not yet come. The time has not yet come. The time has not yet come. And, and what God says here is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Like, is it, oh, okay, if it's not time to build what God wants you to build, then the, the next question is, is like, is it time for you to just be focusing on yourself? Now think back to Corinth. What's happening there? there there's division that's being created. There's people who are all about their experience. They're all about whatever, but really no one is thinking about how am I building God's kingdom? They're thinking about how am I building my kingdom? But like the reason I'm showing you this out of Haggai is that this is Old Testament, ancient stuff. People do the same things all the time. I want to build my house. I want to build my kingdom. I, I want everything to look good in my place and in my time in order for, for me to feel good about myself. And then we bring that idea into the church, and it's a consumeristic mentality that says, you are dispensable to me as long, uh, or you're indispensable as long as you're helping me. You're dispensable to me as soon as you stop helping me in the way that I want to be helped. And Paul is saying, each one has a gift. And by the way, it didn't come from you. It came from God. From the very beginning of your Christian life to now, it did not come from you. But these people say, like, hey, I just want to build my house. And for me, it's a literal house. 
I get stuck in that right now. I'm building, I'm literally building my house. I was thinking in the shower this morning, like, um, should I have just knocked the whole thing down and started over? Like, like, this is really taking a long time. Don't, don't, don't nod. Like, I need encouragement right now. I need encouragement. But I have a house that I'm building, and I have kids, and I have a life outside. And, and so I get the frustration with, like, like, I have things that are keeping me from doing the things of God. Now, before you start thinking, okay, like, that's got to mean, like, he, all right, he wants more children's workers. And we do, but uh, not just that, not just that. It's not just about what happens here on Sunday morning, but it's about a people of God who are all about building his kingdom and his church. His church is made up of a group of people who are totally sold out and who are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works in their city so that the light of the glory of Christ is shown in our city. And so that people see, look and see and they say, surely God is in them. Because of what they're giving to our city, because of what they're giving to, uh, to everyone. And they're doing it selflessly, we hope. But too often, it's, it's about us, it's about our time, it's about what we're doing. What would God do with a group of people that were all about his purposes and that were all about living by his power he says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? Well, this house lies in ruins. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Like, gosh, like, it will never be enough. You will never have enough. You will never have enough as long as your focus and your aim and your goal is to build your own house. The, the reason why, we're, why we don't engage with the church and the reason why we're not people who, who see ourselves as an as an intricate part of what's happening here is because we are so into our stuff and, and, and what God is saying to these people and what I think God is saying to us both through this passage in Corinthians and here is he's saying, consider your ways. You've, you, you keep sowing and you keep sowing. You keep planting and planting and planting, but you harvest little. Like our idea of of what, is, of what is good, our idea of what I want out of life, our idea of fulfillment, we keep thinking is going to come from all the things that I keep sowing. Do you, now, track with me here. What's happening then is we're saying that everything else is Lord of my life. Everything else in my world is Lord of my life. It's, it's my customers. They are Lord of my life. It's my family and their, and their happiness and their prosperity is Lord of my life. It's, it's me and my fulfillment. So my family falls to the side. What God says is he's saying, 
every time you do things that are for yourself, and you keep saying, okay, this is for me. I'm planting for me. I want, I want to build up my stuff. I want to do my kingdom. I want to do whatever. Every time you do that, it leaves you with nothing. It leaves you with nothing. And do you know what? You can do that even when you pastor a church. Now, I'm not saying that it's been all about me, per se. What I am saying is that there were times when I was working and working and working, and, and it seemed to come to nothing. It, it, it wasn't fulfilling. And what was the problem? It was about me in those moments. And so he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. There's a, a literal nature in, what, in what's happening here. For those people, they actually had to build this temple. It's a literal temple that they're building. And he says, go up into the hills and do this so that I can be glorified. So God's glory comes in his temple being built. That's where, that's where he's dwelling. That's what he's, that's what he's doing. That's how his people worship in that day. And then it says, if you skip to verse 12 in chapter 1 there, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. And the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message and said, I am with you, declares the Lord. You know, you know where you hear that echoed? Behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. That's what Jesus says. He's, he's about to, send, uh, to ascend to heaven, and he says, Behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Like God's promise is that he's with you. He's with you. What's he, what's, he, uh, what's he say to the disciples? Like, you better hope that I go away because it's going to be better for you because I'm going to send the Spirit. And that's God with us. That's God with us. That's God working in us. That's God working through us. Look at what it says further here. It says, I'm with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, uh, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of the host, their God. God is the one who comes in and he, he gives them a directive and he says, go build my house. But he's not saying, like, you've got to do that on your own. And in fact, what happens is when you do that on your own so that you can find the approval of God and you say, okay, I'm going to work even in ministry or I'm going to work even in all of these good things and I'm going to do this on my own. What happens is it's still just for you. It's still individualistic. It's still selfish. It's still all about me. But what's happening here is that God is the one. He comes into these people and he stirs up their hearts and what happens is this, is that they do what God has called them to do. Now, we as a people, 
are folks who need the Spirit of God in our city, in our time, with these people. Why? Our, our church has, has grown uh, significantly. And what happens is that when a church grows is that what takes place is that we have uh, a few staff, uh, quite a few volunteers, but then there's a lot of people who are being ministered to. But I want to tell you that if God is going to continue to grow what he's doing here, like what has to happen is that the people that come have to understand something. Is that yes, come and receive investigate who God is. That's fantastic. But some of us have begun our walk with Jesus, and what happens is this, is that God is not asking you to white-knuckle it and to say, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do whatever. He's saying, I want you to do it differently. I want you to do it in the power of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit is here for. And He has gifted us not to create divisions, and not to create a competition among us. And not, he has not gifted you so that you could be alone and by yourself. He has gifted you. And he has gifted me so that we could be a body. So that we could be people who say, I may be this part of the body. But I desperately need you in my life because of what you bring to the table here. What this means is that every single person has a part. Every single person is indispensable. Why? Because Jesus determined that he was going to be dispensable so that your life could be lived in an indispensable way in the life of the local church. Jesus did not die so that you could be a bench-warming Christian who's sitting on the sidelines or, or in the context of the church creating chaos and creating div divisions. Jesus died so that the same Spirit, so that the same Lord, so that the same God inhabited all of us and that this would bring us together and that we would live on mission as a church and glorify Him together. And when we understand that this is what it means to walk with Jesus, it is somebody who's engaging with their gifts and saying, I know that I have a gift from God. I know that I have, that I have gifting. I know that I am somebody who has a gift. I, I may not know what it is, but I know that I'm gifted because I have the Holy Spirit. Then you can say, man, where is it that God wants me? Is it time for me and you to just be building our, our paneled houses? Or is it time for us to glorify God through the power of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus caused himself to be dispensable. He gave up everything. He went to the cross in order that I could live for him by his spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are uh, deeply indebted to you for uh, having gone to the cross for us. Lord, so many of us just kind of get the whole spiritual gifts things wrong, or we either completely avoid it or we're overly into it. And Lord, we just don't understand what it's there for. 
We don't understand why it's there. And so, God, we're asking this morning that you would enable us to experience that, that you would enable us to see it, and, Lord, that you would use us powerfully uh, in this city for your sake. And so, Lord, we're, we're just we're praying for that. We're praying that um, there would be many, many people who are empowered by your Spirit to do your work um, here and now. And, Lord, we're praying that people would see and, and, and just go, man, there, there's something incredible that's happening in the life of believers that are in uh, Salem, Oregon. They don't all just go to one single church, but Lord, that you're, you're moving in a powerful way. And like, I, I don't understand it. And so Lord, I'm praying that that would take place here. Lord, that we would make our city a better place because of what you're doing in our lives. That we would make uh, this city, your, your city, your place, Lord, uh, an incredible place, Lord, that you would be glorified in and through um, the work that you do through us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.